Welcome back to another episode of The 10th Muse. I'm Helena. And I'm Siobhan. And this is the podcast where we talk about a unique collection of women through history that have done pretty amazing things. Yep, that's right. So from artists to activists, scientists to singers, these are not the women you already know. Instead, they're women that we think deserve more recognition and we hope that you enjoy hearing about them as much as we do. Hello and welcome back to episode four of The Mini Muse. We are finally back doing this after a a longer break than we anticipated. Mm -hmm. We've just moved in together uh, into our lovely, lovely house. And we thought we were going to be so much better in, on it, and uh, we haven't been. We haven't been. We spent our time watching a lot of Game of Thrones. <laughs> we've lasted through it. And that's it. about it. Yeah. We're on. <laughs> and that's all we've been doing. We're on, like, series two of Game of Thrones. We've been living in this house for, like, what, three weeks? Um, about all we've done. I've been for some bike rides. One bike ride. We've done. You've done one. I've, I've done, done one. one. I've done more than one. Yeah. Yeah, we, we thought we'd be more on it. We're going to be now, hopefully, we're going to make each other record. And yeah. we can't really escape. We live with each other now. Yeah. So you guys can keep us in line as well and actually, like, ask for new episodes and then maybe we will, like... Maybe. <laughs> be on it more. Maybe. But yeah, so this week I'm doing the Mini Muse following on from Helena's last time. And I'm going to talk about music again, which Woo-hoo! seems to be my number one topic. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm talking about like queer punk legends today. Exciting. Helena. Love a good queer punk legend. Yeah, well, I'm going to quiz. We stand a little queer punk legend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in a really giggly mood today. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try not to laugh too much. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, for this week's movie, I'm going to talk about sort of specifically gender and sexuality in punk music. And I'm going to specifically look at the cultural and social movement and subgenre queercore, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've not heard of it, now. I've mentioned it, obviously, to you, but I've not really gone into any detail. Yeah. saved it for this. So, yeah, so, like, gender and sexuality as themes have been present in music, all music, in one way or another. I think that's pretty... Whether yeah. it's, like, cheesy pop songs or like machismo rock songs yeah but gender and sexuality i think are like rarely explored as overtly and unashamedly as they were by like unapologetic late 80s early 90s female punk rock artists basically nice so that's what who i'm going to talk about today i think it's interesting as well because the stereotypical take on women in rock music has always been that like women are like merely objects of sexual desire and they're there to kind of gratify the leading man and like yeah they're not necessarily there to, you know, explore their own gender or sexuality in, in you know, such a public sphere. But yeah. I think punk rock music, like, allowed women to do that. It still does, but I'm talking about a specific moment in time, I think. And, yeah, one without shame and in completely separate context from, like, the conventional patriarchal hierarchy, especially in rock music. So I feel like there's some... There's undoubtedly, like, numerous artists who we could say were, like, female trailblazers at this time. So there's Patti Smith, Joan Jett, and, like, her famous mm. all-female yeah. effort, The Runaways. For this mini-muse, I'm going to focus on Riot Girl era bands such as, like, Bikini Kill, who I'm going to... Never heard of Bikini Kill. You've never heard of Bikini no, Kill? I'm sorry. Ever? No. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. We're going to educate Helena. Well, you'll know one of their songs. I'll talk about it in a bit. Okay. And, um... Yeah, queer core heavyweights. So there's like Tribate and there's God is my co-pilot. That's another one. I'm going to talk about them as well. So 
for context, the 1970s was like the the dawn of punk rock music. Yeah. It's when rock music kind of turned heavy. Key aspects of the new genre were feelings of like self-disgust, self-hatred, sexual negation. It's it's in some prominent punk artists from the time, like the New York Dolls and the Stooges and the Ramones. You can kind of hear all that. Yeah. And it, you know, it took lead from people like, you know, Jim Morrison and, and like Iggy Pop. And mm-hmm. so considering that pleasurable sexual experiences are often treated negatively or with indifference by men in the punk genre and the male gender is kind of presented in uniform terms, female punks contrastingly redefined what it meant to be female and they explored their sexuality in a more comprehensive manner and they created a new female archetype as punk artists. That sounds really cool. So, yeah, yeah they like really re-established what it meant to be women basically and like obviously like we said before punk rock music they were kind of women in music were like the singer-songwriter and like folky like lady and like they're like long-haired and yeah all that and they kind of reinforce stereotypes rather than challenging it so I mean it's worth noting that despite there's some notable exceptions to that rule even if they maybe looked that way so like Janis Joplin or Grace Slick and Stevie Nicks obviously they've all one point or the other been like named queen of rock and roll yeah love stevie stevie is my she is my queen stevie nicks love it um so yeah despite the context of like 60s rock revolution and the roots in counterculture despite all that they're still seen as the outliers kind of thing i'm gonna pause so hannah has some tea it's too hot to drink i've got to wait a minute just blowing it Oh, that's horrible. No. (laughs) I hate the sound of people eating and drinking. Oh. I might leave that in so the listeners can suffer with me. (laughs) And she's back. Okay, so I'm up to. So in contrast, like, punk rock arguably was the first true genre which could be utilised as a vehicle for the exploration of gender and sexuality for women, and they gave women the platform that they previously hadn't had in popular music history. So this is due to the fact that punk rock gave girls, like, a new way of being female, one which, like, allowed them to question their position and role in the world in a highly critical manner. So, for instance... I'm going to tell you about Bikini Kill. I'm going to go into them a little bit more in a minute, but basically there's a song by Bikini Kill called I Like F***ing, and that's singer Kathleen Hannah. She, like, angrily demands the answer to the question regarding the marginalisation of sexuality for women. So, like, in the lyrics of that song, she says, just because my world, sweet sister, is so f***ing goddamn full of rape, does that mean my body must always be a source of pain? No, no, no. That's, like, nice. the Nice, wow. So she instantly, like, it's very... Really bold. Bold, in your face. That's, like, right girl to the T. <clears throat> and so, although punk music was, like, dominated by men, it was inherently a new style of expression. It was, like, the antithesis of the norm for both genders, not just, like, women. The entire point of punk rock music is, like, to rebel against something. Um, not yeah. just actual oppressive structures such as the government, but, like, inherently oppressive hierarchies yeah. and traditions and... Such as like the construct, the social construct of femininity is what these women like kind of were rebelling against. So that leads me to Riot Girl, which have you have you heard of the nineties Riot Girl movement? Not really. No. So it's kind of described as like girl power as its most brash and unfiltered. It's kind of if you imagine Spice Girls, kind of like girl power. Yeah. But like turned up to eleven. It's like that. The Riot Girl movement was an underground, like, feminist punk music movement, which um, started in the Pacific Northwest of America, and it spread basically around the world. It's still going today, but it's still 
quite a subculture. Okay. It's a subcultural movement. It combines feminism, politics, punk music, and it's all about women expressing themselves in the way that men have always been able to. That's kind of what I thought it was about. I yeah. think I've like I've like heard of like Riot Girl, but never had like a definition for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's like built around the music, especially. It's kind of created by members of bands like Bratmobile and Bikini Kill. So the the zine Riot Girl, that gave a name to the movement. And that's been sort of, the movement was steadily forming in the years before that, but the magazine kind of like gave it a name. But it's worth noting, like, those women, the women in those bands have both since denied their pivotal roles in creating such an impactful movement. They kind of say it wasn't just us, like, it was building up. So Toby Vale once said, they're not just looking to empower girls as individuals, but change society. And so it was a larger goal. It wasn't, like, about them. So I'll give you some info on Bikini Kill, then, as you are uh, just... I need to educate them, Eleanor. Yeah, sorry about this. (laughs) So... Bikini Kill formed in October 1990 in Olympia, Washington. Stereotypical Pacific Northwest band, that whole music scene, like think Nirvana and all that. Mm -hmm. It's made up of a singer-songwriter, Kathleen Hanna, guitarist Billy Karen, bassist Kathy Wilcox and drummer Toby Vale. And they disbanded in 1997, but they've reunited for tours in 2019 and 2020. So they're kind of back. They're known for their radical feminist lyrics and intense performances, and they're widely considered to be a pioneering band of the Riot Girl movement. They're kind of the name that gets associated with it the most, I guess. One of the ways in which like bands like Bohemian Kill sought to empower women through the movement and their music was by exploring gender and sexuality explicitly within their songs. And in the process, they sort of unashamedly I guess, subverted what it meant to be, you know, stereotypical norms to do with women and mm-hmm. what was expected with women's music. So one pivotal example of this is the like most well-known single, which you will know, which is called Rebel Girl. And you will know if I played it for you right now, you would know the song. Like any, any movie ever, especially like cheesy, early Should we play it and then have it as a little snippet? Should we play a clip? So basically in this song, in Rebel Girl, they walk music's tendency to place heterosexuality as the main type and theme in song lyrics. And they make the subject of the song another girl who the singer's unapologetically infatuated with. So it's, as someone um, described, and I'll give, I'll put like references for this muse up with the episode. Someone described this as um, a tribute to and a love song for another woman. And it's evidenced by the lyrics. So I'm going to play it. This rebel girl. Mm. I'm intrigued how you've never heard of that. I don't know. I feel like that's used in a lot of like cheesy noughties, like girl power films. Yeah, it, that's it, like a very Saint Trinian's vibe. Yeah, <laughs> to it, you that know is so I mean? true. It, it does have that like pretty distinctive sound. So, like I can imagine that a lot of music like that for you know films were based off that. Personally, I've not yeah. heard that one. No, I mean I'm not judging you. I'm judging you a little she bit. She is, but not not loads. No, we just have very different music tastes. So that's like this sums it up, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> Right. I like it though. I think it's really cool. I like the whole idea of the whole the, vibe the behind it and the kind of ethos of it. It's really cool. It's very me. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get you into it. So, all right. So, obviously, there's a strong LGBTQ element to Riot Girl. The movement has taken on much of inspiration from gay punk networks of the late 80s and early 90s. And Bikini Kill and even the, like, the aforementioned Ode to Women that I've just played. Or I'll say that if I haven't just played it because of copyright. <laughs> We will put the link somewhere for you to listen to it. Yeah, it, it can't be explicitly linked to this element. So, like, Bikini Kill's not, like, necessarily explicitly LGBTQ. So, like, you could kind of argue that instead of it having, like, explicit sexual undertones, Rebel Girl is more 
dedicated to like the female gender more generally nice. and it's kind of appreciation of female friendship not openly explored in other strains of music it's more the implied subversion of societal norms within that song that's impactful because it kind of paints that it's it's more than just the dominant sexuality can be presented as normal and acceptable so you can kind of read into that song however you want you can read it as like queer or you can read it as not and i don't think the band necessarily care um (laughs) cool so then moving on from that to more explicit like lgbtq music is queer core there's like subsidiaries of punk rock itself like even from that genre there's more under that so there's one called queer core which is like one of the most explicit example of punk rock being a vehicle for like gender and sexuality so the queer core movement um challenged capitalist gay culture in the same way that straight punks attacked hypocritical heterosexuals so they wrote music which was unapologetically homosexual in its sentiments and they openly criticized like wider society's disapproval of lgbtq that community similarly to the right girl movement queer core as a genre was also established in the pacific northwest which is kind of the hub of like all music in mm. my opinion i mean you like Jimi hendrix is from the pacific northwest yeah. and, like you know like all that rock music it's very whatever it is about the pacific northwest whether it's because it's like cold and wet there yeah and rains all the time and they all they can do is play music i don't know sounds like all the best british music <laughs> exactly as well comes from the north oh, it's all from the north yeah all the, all that Manchester music, that's kind of what, um, yeah, the um, the Pacific Northwest is to America. So yeah, it was also established in the Pacific Northwest and it was a back to basics, like do-it-yourself style. They utilised mediums again, like zines, and they helped the scene gain traction that way. And they, But they were more openly concerned with issues of sexual identity, gender identity, and commentary on society from the position of the sexually oppressed rather than than like the way right girl was where it could be interpreted that way this was like explicitly some of the sort of better known female fronted or all female queer core bands include though there's fifth column there's god is my co-pilot um excuse 17 and one of the most notable ones is tribe eight they're just such cool names that you wouldn't hear a band now god is my co-pilot fifth harmony and (laughs) sorry no shade to fifth (laughs) harmony fans but you know, she's little, coming little mix. <laughs> you, you want more like queer punk names yeah they're cool oh, well even like the song titles so like this is so tribe have a lot of song titles there's one called lesbophobia there's one called butch in the streets and there's one called steal your girlfriend oh, it's like steal and it's like stylized steal yr and then gf so it's like steal your girlfriend yeah it's very full like, like text speak yeah very like yeah yeah very thanks for the, the memories yeah it literally thanks for the memories <laughs> yeah it's very that um and they wrote like uncensored and taunting lyrics which undermined established ideas of heterosexuality and homophobia so like they kind of like taunted i guess the idea of like oh you're being homophobic okay and they like ripped into it so they have like um so in steal your girlfriend they go you don't know a good thing but i do you don't know what you've got like i do you don't know how good you've got it but you won't have it for long i'm gonna steal your girlfriend nice and so it's very i just love it it's so good so these bands were kind of unafraid to proclaim the sexuality publicly through the art and challenge their audiences to embrace their own sexual preferences despite any backlash they could receive some of them did mad things like some of them would play on stage with like a strap on on and like no top <laughs> on like they would just or they would like the because they knew their fans were like queer women so they just didn't care they would just yeah. embrace it fully and like it very like very punk rock like in the most 
basic Big term. You to the Huge, establishment. exactly. So they were like candidly embraced and owned their sexuality. It le- adds like a further level of like authenticity, I think, as well to their band's music because they play it bravely and they don't. It's in a way that's not usually present in the music industry. Um, so there's a book called Playing It Queer, which is written by Jodie Taylor. This is a really interesting book on this whole subject. She talks about right girl, punk rock feminism and like LGBTQ political messages. She says in that book, it's largely been responsible for refocusing musical presentations of female gender and sexuality, encouraging women to celebrate a variation of gender roles, deconstruct sexual and bodily normativities and create new modalities of female genders and alternative performances and articulations of female sexualities. Nice. Big mouthful. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it is a mouthful. So I think as well, it's important to note that punk rock music has always been a genre that's unafraid to explore and embrace untraditional lifestyles, whether it's, um, although there's an argument whether embracement is the right word, I guess, because it's whether it embraces as a positive or a negative thing. Like there's, there's like Ramon songs that talk about um, homosexuality, but that's not necessarily presented as a good thing in those songs. So okay. they'll embrace the kind of taboo, but it's whether they embrace it in a positive way or yeah. not. And queer cause very much so that they're embracing it in a positive way. And so I guess it's it's kind of dependent on the artist and the fan base, I think. Like a prime modern example of like inclusion and someone that I, I think I'll probably do a whole episode on at some point is um, Laura Jane Grace from the mainstream punk band Against Me. So she transitioned publicly in 2012 and she reinforces the idea that many trans musicians are driven towards the most testosterone driven of genres. Mm. So that's her argument. And like they have like the coolest back catalog because you listen to the early albums and obviously it's pre-transition. And then when she publicly came out and like transitioned publicly, the music now is very much like embracing that idea. It's kind of, it's just so empowering. Like if you listen to it, you can't help but be like, yeah, yeah so good oh cool and she's really cool so yeah i feel like there'll be a whole a whole episode on her at some point so like the first album the two albums since um laura came out like the first one was called transgender dysphoria blues it's openly announcing like what this album's about and it's really cool and then the 2016 album the most recent is shapeshift with me and so it's very you you just listen to it and you kind of get that the fact that she's really open and embraces it all and like mm. I mean the, the fans are pretty cool like they're all a lot a lot stuck with her obviously she had some that went against them but yeah. like she, I think she's gained more fans from like being true to herself so I think she'll definitely be someone that I would want to talk about more cool so yeah like the vast embracement of punk as a genre by members of the LGBTQ community speaks for itself because it's kind of like angry self reflective it's often self it's like you, you self-deprecate a lot in yeah. pop music uh-huh. and I think that it gives a voice to members of a really sideline community even if that voice is merely echoing homophobic language but like owning it uh-huh. so they'll like flip yeah, the script yeah and they also subvert the sort of abjection towards homosexual like sexual practices into appreciation like queer core bands like embrace it and they write whole songs about it and they'll make it something that you want to sing along about rather than something that's said as like a slur in a song yeah and so it, it sort of evidences the manipulation of punk as a vehicle for example like johnny rotten from sex pistols mm-hmm. he once wrote at the time of his band's highest success he said that women were out there playing with the men taking us on in equal terms it's worth noting that some people would argue punk rock is not as liberating for women as it first seemed or that the right girl movement was not particularly like impactful on a wide scale. It kind of became unofficially defunct by the mid 90s. Like you don't really oh. it there's still it is still going, but it's not as kind of 
mainstream or it's not as embraced as it once was it's Mm. kind of got many different forms it's kind of like the general I guess the wider feminist movement it kind of fractured out and I think so you don't really hear too much about it now but yeah it was sort of unofficially defunct by the mid 90s and the argument being that the media attention killed it or grunge killed it or Courtney Love killed it or maybe it never existed in the first place except as a mirage dreamed up by the press um, and that's a quote who I cannot attribute it right now, but I will give credit in the description for mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah, I would like disagree with that as a conclusion though, because I think that punk and its sub movements gave women causes to sort of rally around. Yeah. And communities that could embrace them, who were like unafraid to tackle difficult conversations, provide support through periods of unrest. Like it gave them a, a group to like turn to. It's like the standard like LGBTQ story of like finding your tribe like this did it like it helped people really find their group and like I think music does that and I think rock music in particular was like really impactful and yeah it allowed them to kind of unashamedly explore the gender identity sexuality like I've said over and over again (laughs) in this episode and not just support like male ideas of like sexuality and like what women should be Hmm. so in in fact in the year 1994 in an opinion undoubtedly like fueled by the strength power and visibility women at the height of the punk rock music and grunge scenes at the time this kind of sums it up um nirvana's kurt cobain prophesized that the future of rock belongs to women and that would suggest to me that like the impact of punk rock music riot girl and queer court era female fronted bands is like far more wide-reaching than it might seem at first Mm. so even if you think it's gone defunct or none of it matters or because a lot of them have disbanded now I think that fact alone shows that they had a a huge impact yeah and I think you're seeing increasing like girl bands and like rock music turning back to women and Mm -hmm. not that they ever went away like we've talked about Stevie Nicks and we've talked about like we brought up like Hayley Williams before Mm -hmm. and we've brought up like Laura Jane Grace who I mentioned earlier and so I think when you think of like music in the north especially like popular kind of rock music in the noughties Mm. it was like it's all men yeah 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 and I think that's resurging now, like with rock bands and women. Like when we were younger, it seemed like the only woman in a rock band was like Hayley Williams. Whereas yeah, now it's too. like, as I was watching it, like growing up, like all these other bands emerged that I was a fan of. Like it was like, we are the in crowd, there was Tonight Live. There was mm-hmm. like all these bands that had women in it um, at, as the front, like as the front woman. And I think like that's an interesting shift back to queer, like queer core and like, punk rock music resurging now I think is is really interesting and a lot of like do-it-yourself type bands Mm -hmm. and and, like you know that kind of zine culture has not completely died off yeah it's not it's not mainstream by any means but it's not it's never died and I think that's really cool and yeah that's like a very quick mini muse crash course through punk rock music and queer punk rock musicians and I'm and directing everyone to God is my co-pilot and Tribe 8 because I think they're some of the coolest bands. I'm gonna go and listen to them all. Yeah, go and find the song that says the word, the name Siobhan in it. I'm not gonna give you any clues, but one of those bands has, <laughs> a, has a song that calls calls me out by name. So try and find it. Yeah, I'm gonna first find ones, it. first one to find it gets um, gets a free T-shirt. Way <laughs> that we'd have to make. But there yeah. you go. Um, I'll knit it. <laughs> Helen, that's what we're doing in lockdown, people. We've been doing a lot of embroidery and knitting and yep. yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll knit some merch <laughs> i said i was gonna knit socks i bought like yellow and pink wool especially mm-hmm. for it so i do need to get on that yeah yeah It'll i'm happen. waiting on It'll these happen. socks people they were promised a long time ago to me so yeah. this is a public call out helena davidson 
get my socks made. It'll happen <laughs> eventually. We, as always, are going to now promise you that we will upload more, but I think we actually will this time. We're going to make each other I think we can more. definitely do once every two weeks. I mm-hmm. think once every week. Maybe a little bit of stretch. Yeah, we'll see anyway, but we will keep you all updated. As always, go on our Instagram because that's the best place to see when we're uploading what's and what's happening. Yeah. We're not very good on other social media, so stick with, yeah. stick with Instagram. That's the one we post on. And um, yeah, next time, whenever you next hear us, we'll be a full episode. So. Woohoo! Got to think of who I'm going to do. Yeah, me too, actually. If, uh, if you have any suggestions, send them our way. And um, yeah, we will catch you all. Catch you later, (laughs) alligators. In a while, crocodile. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye bye.